Hi, my name is Will. Welcome to The Church Split. Let's talk about a topic that might split your church. And honestly, this might be something that could split your church, which is sad because it shouldn't, but it is what it is. Uh, but we really want to talk about this. We're specifically responding to a channel called God is Gray. Uh, it is run by a woman named Brenda. So if we you hear us refer to it interchangeably throughout the video. But I watched this video about a year ago, and it really bothered me because I, there are so many things that were wrong about it, things that were assumed in it, things that weren't actually backed up properly. Yeah. And ever since then, I've wanted to say something about it because I have a lot to say, Brian. <laughs> I have a lot to say, too. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why he's here. Now, this, this particular topic of abortion has affected me my wife personally we've seen a lot of things we've experienced a lot of things uh with with the unborn but specifically this has affected brian that has affected brian and his wife very personally and so with that being said brian do you just want to tell everyone why this affects has affected you directly yeah i think the big thing is so what affected my wife and i was our son he was we were expecting a healthy boy and we ended up with um uh, a child that was born much earlier than expected. So he was born in the second trimester at 25 weeks. Uh, he was very small. He was about that big, um, about a foot long, pound one pound nine ounces, and uh, it was just really, it was moving to me. It was um, life changing for me to see what life really looks like at that stage, and it really kind of threw out the door the arguments about this is a fetus, this is a clump of cells, this is something that's non-human, this isn't life. And uh, yeah, he's very much full of life. Uh, heard him cry when he came out, um, kicked around, he felt pain, he would grab our fingers, um, we changed his diaper. I mean, all the normal little baby things, except he was in an incubator because he didn't have the, the, uh, the, the, the body mass to keep himself warm. So um, still had to do some of those things, but he was still very much a human being and very much had the right to live. And uh, that really kind of changed my mind to see how black and white this issue really is and how wrong so many people are on calling this either a gray issue or an issue that's about choice of the mother. Because seeing that child, that was, no, this is also a life, mm -hmm. just like the mother, also life. So um, just was a unique, unique perspective I had to have. And when he was born, and that's the thing, is like you, all, you guys also had to make the choice too because Stacy was having health issues as well. Yeah. And so it was basically, okay, how long can we hold on to this baby without killing Stacy and giving uh, Brayden a chance to live outside the womb? Exactly. So it was this very, you, you were confronted with a choice that many people say, well, we have to make every single day and it's too hard so we should just be able to abort it. Yeah. So I think this is really important as we talk about this because uh, Brian has also, much like myself, he, he loves to just look into things, study things, talk about things. And this is one of those things where, as we studied it, it's only solidified our position. Because you used to be kind of on the fence yep. um, back before you, uh, I would say, you know, you know, you've obviously matured a lot in your life and everything, Braden. That was eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things changed in eight years, but that was the thing that solidified it. So uh, anyway, uh, with that being said, we want to hop into this video here, but understand the fact that we're not trying to put Brenda down. We're not trying to sit there and call her a terrible person, but we are going to uh, take the argument and the position and we are going to uh, discuss it pretty directly. And so this is not intended to condescend. This isn't a personal attack. This is a, attacking an idea. And I, if, I believe we can separate ideas from people. Exactly. So let's get into it. Let's go. All right. Hi, beautiful people. Today we're talking about abortion. I know this is a very sticky subject, but we have a huge midterm election coming up tomorrow. And I really wanted to inform you guys on why I am a Christian who votes pro-choice. You guys might have guessed this, but I am a liberal Christian who, to quote Texan evangelical Tess Clark, cares as much about babies at the border as I do about babies in the womb. I believe in God and global warming. I believe that God gave us dominion over the earth and we are called to protect the environment. I also believe in God-given free will and autonomy, and therefore I vote yes for gay rights. And last but not least, I vote pro-choice. Okay, real quick, we don't want to get too much too sidetracked here because our topic here is abortion. There's a lot of other topics to talk about, but first off, all those things she mentions there, you know, uh, we take care of the environment, common ground, we agree. We are to take care of, be good stewards of God's creation. Yep. Okay. Free will too. We, free will, yeah. People are free to do whatever, whatever they please. You're yeah. not free from your consequences. Nope. Um, and just because you have free will doesn't mean you get to sin or do whatever you want. Just because I have free will doesn't mean I get to stab you in the face. Even though sometimes I might want to. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
that hates I wasn't expecting violence so soon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm really passionate like, about this me topic. Off guard. <laughs> <laughs> caught me off guard. Are you scared? A um, little bit. Okay. And so, um, and then she mentions here in a minute that she you knows a lot of people have various different stances, and I don't really understand this point. Yes, we all do. So we all know somebody who disagrees and has a different stance than us. And we see that throughout the Bible. People yeah. had different perspectives all the time. Didn't mean they were right. Yeah. A lot of people disagreed <laughs> with God. Didn't go well. I know pro-choice religious people, pro-life liberals, Christians who have had abortions, and atheists who wouldn't dream of it. So before we even begin, let's just acknowledge that abortion affects so many different people for so many different reasons. That said, for this video, I'll be destroying Ben Shapiro for his black and white oversimplification of one of the grayest topics that I can imagine. The, the abortion debate is really not a particularly complex one. The main reason I'm pro-choice is because abortions will happen whether they're legal or not. I think this is the, an interesting point, and we hear this a lot when we're talking to pro-choice people, and the idea that Oh, well, we can't do anything about it. We can't make it illegal because we want it. We, we can't make it stop, so might as well just throw our hands up and let people abort their kids. And that's not a good argument if you apply that to anything else. Like, rape is illegal. We don't want people to rape. We lock rapists up, not because we're like, well, that will prevent all rape from ever happening again. But it, what it does do is it stops future victims. Yeah, exactly. It, this whole idea of just because just it's going to happen means that we can just allow it or we just legalize yeah. it. We don't apply that to any part of the law. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Also, she says that you know, abortion affects many different people. She's absolutely correct. It does affect a lot of people, specifically the people who are no longer able to live because of them, such as the unborn babies. And then also, she I want her to, to I want to notice want you to notice as well that she accuses Ben Shapiro of oversimplifying uh, such a gray topic and all these things. Um, but the thing is. It, he really doesn't. It, it, yeah. it, this goes into, uh, you have to understand someone's worldview before you say that they're oversimplifying it. Yep. And I feel like this entire time, is a, you'll notice it's a complete misrepresentation. Uh, and she actually sometimes completely misrepresents his position on that thing. So, um, yeah, we're going to try not to do that of, of Brenda here. We're going to try to represent her points as she makes them and not represent, misrepresent her. During the Great Depression, besides women bleeding to death and botched abortions, people were so desperate financially that some parents killed their children immediately after birth. In this photo, a woman hides her face in shame for selling her children to survive. And yes, she hid her face in the, this is an emotional appeal. I want us to recognize this first. Yeah. It's, it, notice how emotionally difficult this must have been. So therefore it must have been okay. You know, I'm thinking about how hard emotionally difficult it was for the abortion. Uh, so therefore it must be okay. Well, you're, you're basically saying the same thing here. Well, notice how hard it was for the mother. So she put up her kids for sale. Putting up your kids for sale, no matter how hard it is, is would yeah. be immoral. So you're, you should bring it up like it's a shame to the mother. And it's like, yeah, and so would abortion. Yeah. So I, I, that, that thing, that kind of bothers me a little bit. But anyway, I just want to make sure I pointed that out. It's an emotional appeal. It's not a factual appeal. It's, it's appealing emotionally. And this may sound like some archaic distant history, but when you remove options for family planning, people get desperate. Before 1973's Roe vs. Wade, between 17 and 18% of women were dying in botched abortions. Okay. That is completely wrong. Uh, so, and she says later in a video that she doesn't expect to always be right and she wants people to fact check her. So we're doing just that. So the stat that she's claiming is, is actually a stat from the 1930s, not 1973. Um, and it wasn't actually botched abortions. It was talking about all abortions. And she's making, so if we actually look at 1973, fast forward to when she's actually saying this claim is supposed to be, in 1973, only 24 women died from legal abortions and 39 died from illegal abortions. So that's clearly not even close to that stat she's talking about because there's about 900,000 abortions in 1973. So we're talking about 0.0043%, not 18%, which is terrible. We don't want any women to die. They shouldn't have died, especially from botched abortions, but the 17-18% claim is absolutely false. Yeah, it is completely false. And then also, she says when you remove uh, options for family planning, people get desperate. Um, I First off, she uses killing babies just after birth eventually as an example of this very thing. So if killing babies after birth is an example of being desperate, then why isn't abortion just a, simply a further yeah. example of being desperate? 
uh, for, for killing the baby in the wounds and this womb. It's not really family planning at this point. You were talking about modes of desperation, doing horrible things and horrible acts and justifying them yeah. by saying, well, I was just desperate at the time. Yeah, planning, the idea of planning kind of makes the idea of planning ahead. Uh, abortion would be a, a a reaction to something that's already happened. Whoa, wait. So you mean in order to plan, for family planning to take place, you have to plan for a future? Weird. Yeah. So it's almost like if you have sex, in the future you might have a kid. So it's if you end up scientifically proven. No way. Okay, <laughs> wow. I, I learned something today. Biology. Okay. These were either performed at illegal clinics or sometimes by the woman's husband or partner at home. Women will keep having abortions. They'll just be unsafe. It's up to us to use our vote to protect women's health, to prevent more abortion. Real quick here, I want to just address women before 1973 were also having legal abortions. The only difference between 1973 with Roe versus Wade and, and before then was that uh, some states it was legal, some states it wasn't. The ruling at the federal level made it that all states could not restrict abortion completely. Hmm. So there were legal abortions then too. The whole even the back alley abortion uh, comment that a lot of people make is, is not talking about women having abortions in a back alley. It's actually talking about the door in which they used to come into the real licensed doctor's clinic. So they weren't actually having abortions in the alley. They were just using the door because at that point in time, it was considered a bad thing. Weird. And then also, uh, I want to notice the emotional manipulation again. She says, you know, they perform illegal uh, illegal clinics or by their husbands or themselves. And then she shows a coat hanger. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, think of how terrible that was. And my simple response to that is, yes, you know, you'll get the coat hanger. Oh, that's so terrible. But no one made you use the coat hanger. You have yeah. chosen to. So therefore, if you do something that you know is unsafe and you get hurt by it, I'm just like me driving at 150 miles an hour down the freeway, um, doing something that most people recommend me not doing myself, yeah. and it's illegal to do anyway, and then crashing and dying, and then getting upset the fact that no one made a safer way for me to drive at 150 miles an hour. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so women will just keep having abortions, just, uh, but they'll just be unsafe. We already addressed that. Just yeah. because it'll happen anyway doesn't necessarily make it a good argument. Before we get to Ben Shapiro... It's really important that women be able to kill at any time they please. Let's talk legality. To keep this video under 10 hours, I'm going to rely on you guys to do this research. First, read up on 1973's Roe vs. Wade. This Supreme Court decision made abortion legal until the fetus is viable. Then, you need to grapple with the complications of defining viability. As Americans, we also need to understand why and how the 14th Amendment protects a woman's right to choose. Lastly, consider the individual state restrictions imposed by the Hyde Amendment. Because of the Hyde Amendment, abortion rates are statistically not affected by our presidents. Nearly all challenges to abortion have come at the state level. Statistically, your state and local votes are far more important on the abortion issue. Okay, we won't go into too much of the history because we could we could spend an hour on it, but I think just something to tell the reader or the listeners to look up is Roe from Roe v. Wade, her name is Norma McCorvey, became very pro-life in her later years. And it was after she became a Christian and realized the mistake of her being a part of that, um, that ruling and she regretted it deeply and she uses her Christian values and her Christian faith is a reason why she regrets it deeply. Exactly, and a quote from her is, upon knowing God, I realized that my case, which legalized abortion on demand, was the biggest mistake of my life. So once you became a Christian, when you're a Christian, it leads you to being pro-life. Yeah. So just go, she's got videos online, go check her out. She, she died a little bit ago. Um, but if you want a good perspective on Roe v. Wade, we also recommend looking at what she said. Now, let's talk about what abortion is not. For abortion's best source of lies and overgeneralizations, look no further than Ben Shapiro. No, don't clap. For those who don't know, Ben Shapiro is a conservative political commentator, writer, and lawyer. He often makes the news for his campus lectures in which his fans say he destroys liberal arguments. Besides hating the concept of destroying people who don't agree with your opinion, here are the four reasons Ben Shapiro totally sucks while talking about abortion. Okay, so a couple things here. I'm actually a Daily Wire subscriber. <laughs> so are you. Yeah. Hey. How cool is that? Anyway. I love Ben. <laughs> love Ben. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, is so I, we don't agree with Ben on everything. There's yep. been times where you and I have pl plenty of times I've talked to but there's one thing that he's really good at talking about, and that is abortion. Yep. 
uh, when you say he's a liar and all these things, you are actually attacking his character. And I will say this, you, we can, Ben can be a lot of things, right? Ben, you might say he's arrogant. Ben, you might say he's very yeah. blunt. Ben, ben you, can say, you can say a lot of things. But you can't call him a liar. Yeah. He has never, he, in fact, whenever something he has proven wrong on anything, he will openly admit it. Um, and he has had that a few times. Yeah. And so the point problem is here is so you, when you're when you're asserting someone's motive and then you're just shoving words in the mouth, calling them a liar just because you disagree with them. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. It's like me saying that she's a liar. It'd be like me, Brenda, going, hey, you're a liar because you got that 17 to 18 percent yeah. thing wrong. It's I don't think you're intentionally lying. I think it was just misinformation that you had. Yeah. Anyway, so stop asserting motive. That's my point. Yeah, and you'll see that Brenda doesn't actually ever give you specific evidence in this this video, at least, of where Ben was purposely misrepresenting anything. Yeah. So. And um, another good point, real quick, is the fact that she does say, I hate the idea of destroying anybody. And then two seconds later goes, this is why Ben Shapiro totally sucks. At, yeah. Which is... Is that not an intentional attack on destroying? And then she even admits it. So... At least be upfront. Uh, we're here to destroy pro-choice arguments. One, he's not committed to telling the truth. There's an entire abortion industry that is geared toward teaching women that babies are not babies and that getting a, and that getting a baby aborted is in fact a betterment of their life. I can't afford fact checkers, so I'm going to mess up on this channel sometimes. But I love when you guys call me out because I'm not out to preserve my ego. I want to give information. I would rather be credible and humble than be right all the time. I wish Ben Shapiro would hold himself to the same level of accountability and truth that I do, a girl that YouTubes from her bedroom, but he doesn't. I've been told that you're able to kill this baby all the way up to the very end, right? 32 to 30 weeks. I'm gonna stay calm on this video, but Ben Shapiro made me furious when he talked about general abortion while flashing a picture of a partial birth abortion. Here's a warning. I'm gonna show you this video now. That's a human, and that human doesn't have any rights because you just decided its rights are less important than your right to your own convenience. The reason this infuriates me is twofold. One, Ben intentionally misinforms people so they'll believe morally what he wants them to. This makes him a dishonest advocate of his cause. This misleading is the same reason I don't like or support the majority of crisis pregnancy centers. Pro-life medical centers position themselves outside of Planned Parenthoods but won't tell women when they're in the wrong building. They'll exaggerate their medical knowledge, guilt and shame women into having their baby, but provide little or no follow-up resource after that woman has given birth. Yeah, so this whole idea that people don't care or take care of the baby after the fact is emphatically false. It is actually emphatically false. Look up Jeff Durbin of the Palagia Church. He, uh, they have straight up gone outside of abortion clinics and offered to cover any and all adoptive expenses, lawyers and everything, for free, take care of everything if they just save the baby. Yeah. Plus, even in our own area, we have plenty of people who are willing to take take in babies or um, provide plenty of things. Your church growing up had a lot of things to help mothers with. Yep. So this is emphatically false. And then also, I want to notice, she mentions, uh, she shows a partial, she's mad that he shows a partial birth abortion. Yeah. And then that he doesn't represent that, and he, she, that he intentionally does this. No, he also shows a chart of all the stages of, of the fetal development. Yeah. It, of stage one, stage two, then he goes, but you, and you know, your convenience there, and he's pointing out to the partial birth abortion. And I think we can all agree, if you are waiting till the point where it's in the third trimester, and then you decide to abort it when it could have easily been born at that point, you, what, 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 brain was second trimester, right? Yep, And he lives. So third trimester is a pretty good chance that the baby's gonna be yep. okay. And so you have this, and then if you abort the baby at that point, no, you are doing it out of convenience. You are not doing it because there's some health issue that the baby can't survive. You could easily, even if the you're not in labor, C-section, give the baby a chance. Exactly. So he is com she, he is completely accurate in being able to say that. And also he did not misrepresent anything when he has a whole chart up there explaining this. If you're a pro-life advocate, marry yourself to the truth. Be accountable. Don't be afraid of nuance and the genuine complications of life. There's a woman surrounding every fetus and she deserves to be genuinely educated on her health, her body, and the resources you're about to not provide. So, Yes, there is a woman that f that surrounds every fetus, and she deserves education. She deserves to be taken care of, 
and so does the baby. There is a mother around every baby when they're in the womb, and they also deserve an education. They also deserve a chance at life. So you can't have one without the other. Those are both um, image bearers of God. They both deserve to be given a chance at life, and one is not more important than the other. Ben so generously promises. I would think that there are a lot of people out there like me who would give charity. And if you know of this woman, tell me her name. I'm happy to even though he made this joke to condescend someone, he's actually onto something. I won't generalize all pro-life clinics, but some of them spend thousands of dollars providing sonograms that guilt women into having children. Then they offer little or no support after the woman gives birth. If these clinics were known for more than a guilt trip, such as pouring money into housing for single mothers or advocating for laws that offer provision, we could save more babies. They're known for more than just guilt trips. And while a guilt trip means that you're showing someone the truth and they feel guilty about doing something that was potentially immoral. And they do a lot more than that. They are actually saving babies and she's, she mentions that. So that should be a good thing as a Christian that there are more lives not being lost. And then also they do provide free exams and all these other things. So they provide this healthcare. But I, I, I've said this before, if someone's guilt tripping you and you're falling for the guilt trip, one of two things. You're either not sure what you're doing is the right thing at all, or two, you're actually guilty and you don't like the fact that you're, that's being exposed. Yeah. So if they're guilt tripping women, maybe there's a reason that the women are feeling guilt tripped. You know, by helping women after the fetus is outside the womb. If your only objective is to save a fetus, but you're not listening to the genuine concerns heart, financial burdens of the woman carrying that fetus, you are potentially pushing low-income and abused women into dangerous, threatening situations. All right, notice the picture she just ended with. So just a couple minutes ago, she was upset with Ben for showing a picture because she's saying that's an extreme example of abortion. And, and not showing the full and, amount. And yeah, that's all the different, he's used to generalize. Exactly. And she's saying he's misrepresenting the argument because he's using this extreme picture. What did she just do here? She just used an extreme example of why some women need abortions because they're in a very bad situation. Well, there are other ways to solve getting out of that situation besides killing your own child. And they say you, you can't, uh, one wrong on top of another wrong doesn't make the first one right. It just, you're just making the situation even worse. Mm -hmm. This clip sickens me is because Ben Shapiro flashed a picture of a baby that was potentially wanted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was wanted. Yes, a lot of people would, would have loved to adopt that baby. It was wanted, not potentially wanted. Maybe it wasn't wanted by the parents, but yes, I think there's a very good chance that baby was wanted. There's by a, a waiting list for adopt, adopting babies. It's like one in eight or something like that. I think it's even higher than that. We'll put the stat in the in the. Yeah, we'll try to hunt that down for you. I believe Ben Shapiro chose this visual to intentionally mislead his audience. He makes no effort to clarify that 88% of abortions are in the first trimester, and half of those are in the first eight weeks. Go. <laughs> okay. 88% stat is from a CDC study in 2015. Um, and it's good to point out a couple things. Science tells us heartbeat starts between three and five weeks, right? 34% of abortions happen at six weeks or earlier. So that's only 34%. That means the overwhelming majority of abortions are stopping of a baby's heart. We, we consider you, someone's life being terminated when their heart stops. This is specifically the overwhelming majority of abortions are stopping of a beating heart of that baby. Um, and she's also gonna talk about personal convenience here and I'll just address that now. We can see what she says. But um, very much so, we have evidence that abortion is overwhelmingly done for personal convenience reasons. Now, there can be some argument about which of those are, are really personal convenience or are those good reasons, but we would say there's no good reason to kill a baby. Um, but just pointing out, 2004 Gut Macher Institute uh, had a survey of over 1,200 people and 86% stated some varying reason of personal convenience for their abortion. 25% said they weren't ready, 23% said they couldn't afford, 19% said they were done having kids, 8% said they were they didn't want to be a single mother. 7% said they weren't mature enough. Um, and 4% said it would interfere with their education or career. So um, 
Those are all varying reasons of convenience, and overwhelming majority is for convenience. 86% is huge. And it's also worth noting, I think you have, we'll, we'll address this more later, but even the examples always used, such as rape and whatnot, is actually less than 1%. So we're using a rare, we're using like a sliver here to justify the majority, but I think we're gonna talk more about that later, are we Exactly. Not? Okay. So let's hear her make the argument that it's not about personal convenience. Also, Ben belittles the most difficult decision of a woman's life. Where in here exactly do you think it's okay to murder that kid because you have a personal convenience issue? Ben, could you please get some female friends and actually listen to them? I think it's disgusting that you perpetuate this lie that women go to abortion clinics because they just love being sluts and they're just down to party and they can't be bothered with a baby. He doesn't say that. He didn't say they're because they're sluts. Yeah. He said it's because personal convenience reasons, and we just gave several examples of that. Yeah. Also, um, the again, you're you're yeah, you're misrepresenting him. That's just all there is to it at this point. And he addresses this multiple times with men as well. It's not the fact that it's the, the fact that people are are shirking their sexual response, their their responsibility from the sexual act. Exactly. Um, he talks about this with men directly multiple times. He's actually a pretty conservative fellow, oddly enough, at the Daily Wire, and therefore he holds very strongly to the role of a man in a relationship. I've never once in my life heard a woman tell me that story, and I talk to women. Ben, commit yourself to truth and stop saying that lame lie over and over again. Also worth noting, she's saying that uh, he, uh, commit himself to the truth. As if just because you disagree with him, he's not committed to the truth. In fact, as the more pro, the more committed to the truth you are, the more you find you have to be pro-life. Yeah. So, and then also this constant assertion that he doesn't talk to women. It's just whenever people bring this hyperbole up, it always it's a pet peeve. Yeah, he does talk to women. He's literally married to one, and most of his videos is him talking to women about abortion. Not many men step forward to talk about it. It's always women. Yeah. So he does talk to women. He just disagrees with them. There's some of them. Yeah, some of them. <laughs> and far be it from us to be accused of never talking to women. My foster daughter, Tabby, just walked in from work. Tabby, do you affirm the pro-life position? Yep. Do we hold men sexually accountable for their actions? Yep. Do we hold women sexually accountable for their actions? Yes. And are you, in fact, a woman? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, we do talk to women, and they are pro-life. We just disagree. Thank you, Tabby. Yep. That said, I will be honest with you guys and admit that I was saddened to realize that partial birth abortion is not limited to medical conditions. Why? Why is she saddened by that? I thought she's making the point that pro-choice is okay. So why is she saddened by that kind of abortion? Yeah, or the fact that it's limited to only certain states even. Like, she's very inconsistent in this issue. Yeah. Um... And then also, I don't know when, when you were planning to talk about this, but this it seems like a good time now. Since we're talking about partial birth abortions, mm -hmm. obviously your son would have been very much a similar partial birth abortion to a degree, would it not? Yeah. If we decided that we needed a personal convenience and didn't want to deal with the child with some medical issues, that would have been a, could have been a situation for a partial birth abortion. Exactly. So now people say all the time it's a fetus, it's not, it's a clump of cells, it's not really alive. But you know what? Everyone knows this is false. Everyone knows. Even pro-choice people know this is false. You want proof? Ask them what week. Mm -hmm. Ask doctors. Ask pro-choice people. What week is it okay? When do we when do we draw the line? Is it the heartbeat? Is it does the vaginal canal just magically appear livelihood outside of it is as, as soon as it can breathe on its own and then how do we handle that and outside we ask people what week and i'll tell you this every pro-choice i've talked choice or i've talked to especially pro-choice christians they don't know and yeah. they will never admit they will always dodge the issue and they always change the topic in fact you know one pro-choice christian we've talked to recently and uh this individual uh, said well i don't know and i think that's okay yeah. So you're basically saying, I don't know if that's a person in the middle of the road, but I'm just going to keep driving at 70 miles an hour and maybe hit them. I don't know. Because but, I don't know when that... Is it, is it not? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? It's okay. I think friendly challenge to Brenda, um, prove us wrong. Tell us when it's okay. Yeah. And give us a consistent line of what defines humanity. Yeah. There is a small percentage of women who wait too long. However, only 2% of abortions are partial birth, and those women have a variety of reasons, one of them being she couldn't get to the clinic on time. 
Couldn't get to the clinic on time. <laughs> it came so fast. It took me eight months to get there. <laughs> it's also, just to point out, and again, not claiming Brenda's lying here, but the stat is actually 0.2%, but I don't think it matters. I, and I think conservatives a lot of times fall into this trap too. Partial birth abortions aren't worse than other abortions. Oh, killing someone is not better because, oh, I, I decided to kill them while they're half in a sleeping bag is not is not any worse than if you kill them while they're all the way in a sleeping bag. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just... I, <laughs> Did you just call women sleeping bags? <laughs> oops. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Apologize to my wife on that. <laughs> but the point stands... I, why is it worse? And I think conservatives sure. fall into this this trap too. And I think they they try to make it a, an emotional manipulative argument too. So I shame agree. on them. Uh, let's not make emotional manipulative uh, arguments. Let's just state the facts. Let's look for truth. Let's look into the nuance, as Brenda says all the time. Which can I mention how she uses the word nuance? Sure. Because I don't think that word means what she thinks it means. Yeah. She uses the word nuance like okay, because there's all these other views on it, so therefore it's complicated. Therefore I don't have to pick. I don't have to pick a moral side. I just have to go, well, I don't know, so it's okay for everybody. Yeah. She says you use the word nuance as a way, as almost a dismissive case for being definitive on the issue. Um, and a lot of people who seem to do this with the word nuance, nuance just means it's complicated, pretty much. And it is. She's right on that. That is is a complicated issue, but it is still a black but, and white issue. Exactly. But she's using it. She's using the term nuance here to dodge the bullet because you'll notice that she never draws the line specifically. She just says, I'm pro-choice and I don't, and you'll never you'll notice that she never really defines it. She just goes mm, nuance. Yeah, it's nuanced. Let's hear her say it again. Which is becoming more and more likely the more states are closing down abortion clinics and restricting access. In other cases, partial birth abortion is the devastating loss of someone's baby. Common ground. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and I don't mean to make light of this, but yes, abortion is the devastating loss of someone's baby. So I, I don't know how she can make this claim and then have a consistent pro-choice argument. Well, because you can't. Like that's what's, that's what's so. What I watch this is what gets so frustrating because it's like, you, she's back and forth so much. It's almost like because she just empathizes with the, these difficult situations that therefore yeah. she must be pro-choice. But then she'll say something like this, which is like that's kind of self-defeating. Yeah. So uh, you'll and this happens a lot, and I and I mean this for all pro-choice Christians. This happens a lot with pro-choice Christians in general. And if you are one, I hope you will listen to work, videos and people and th this facts and the things like this. Pro-choice Christians oftentimes are and pro-choice people are inconsistent all the time because they're constantly trying to justify something that it, they know is immoral mm -hmm. or that they know is like oh this could oh, so this actually is kind of a bad thing so yeah they constantly try to find ways to justify it but then they're always inconsistent everywhere yeah so be careful that if you're constantly having to find ways to justify something you might be wrong and I think she's just accidentally letting out the truth without meaning it. Uh, she knows, just like all of us know, that life is precious. Human life is definitely precious. We're made in the image of God. She's a Christian. We're Christians, so we all agree to that. But when we're, but the rest of these arguments are meant to dehumanize the baby, the human baby, so that we can justify what we want to do instead of what is right. You guys, the first time I saw this video, the top comment was from a father who had just lost his baby daughter. I wish I could find it. I can't. I tried looking for it. But I remember his story. This man was pregnant with his wife and 100% of their doctors recommended partial birth abortion. They believed fully that the baby was gonna die after being born and that it would be a very painful death. But this man was part of a religious community. They were praying, they were hoping for a miracle, and they went through with that birth. This man said, and I'm sorry it's graphic, that six months later, his daughter was in his arms and bled out from every orifice in her body and died. And his comment was begging Ben Shapiro to remove this video. He was telling him, don't you understand the nuance? Don't you understand I would do anything to take that moment back and have had that partial birth abortion, that it's necessary, that it would have saved me watching my daughter die in my arms. The kind of callous heartlessness and miseducation that Ben Shapiro is committed to for his cause of saving fetuses is so disrespectful. So I think the the most important thing she said there was was a quote from him that said it would have saved me. 
That's exactly what resonated here with me as well. It's that he's making an emotional argument. I feel for him. I was very close to being in a very similar situation. It's terrifying. It's saddening. There's no good that would come from it. But comparing, okay, well, they didn't want to have a partial birth abortion, but they're worried about um, the child dying in a painful way. Well, partial birth abortion would have also been the baby dying in a painful way. The only thing that, unfortunately, this guy was trying to avoid was more pain, having a stronger bond with his child, seeing his child suffer specifically in his hands was something that he was trying to avoid. So abortion would have uh, removed him from having to see that terrible act and would have uh, lessened his bond with the child so that would have made him feel better. But I'm sorry, it still would have been a terrible loss either way. Yeah, no, no, yeah, because this is purely, and let's just be honest here, this is a purely emotional argument again. It's just feel for this terrible situation using the using the a rare case to justify the, the majority. But also the fact that, as you mentioned before, it, the child is going to su- is what's going to suffer in the abortion because if you guys actually look up abortion techniques, they're just barbaric. They're they're horrible, especially a third trimester because it's a it's a fully formed baby, so you have to find a way to crush the baby out of there and get mm-hmm. it out. Um, so you, the baby was going to suffer one way or the other, but he really just wanted to be spared his own emotional pain from actually connecting with his child. And I wonder whose baby is in that picture. Was that a child that someone desperately wanted, but it had a medical condition? Do you even know the source of that photo? So when Ben flashed that picture and I saw that comment, (laughs) I just have no respect for that. Because you had an emotional reaction to it. You don't have respect for Ben because you don't think he doesn't know where that picture came from. That doesn't make any sense. She doesn't know where that picture came from either. No. And also, you're assuming that he doesn't know. He actually very well might have known. That's yeah. why he may have pulled that up as a partial birth abortion. It's just a strange argument to make. So, anyways, let's continue. Ben Shapiro needs to acknowledge the nuance and devastation of partial birth abortion and stop pretending all abortion looks like that. Number two, Ben Shapiro cares more about dropping mics than actually solving problems. Well, Planned Parenthood doesn't prevent abortions. Mike Pence's religious convictions have led him to believe the fallacy that abortion can be stopped by simply closing down clinics. I think good to point out, I don't think Mike Pence thinks closing abortion clinics will completely stop abortions. No. I, I think don't think he, anyone that's a conservative actually thinks that, but he thinks it will reduce abortions, and that is what they're trying to do. Yeah, to reduce abortions. Also, it'll, it'll stop condoning them, saying it's okay. You know, there's there's a difference between trying to stop them at all and try to say legally and ethically and morally, we are against this, and this is against the law now. Emboldened by this lie and abstinence advocate Valerie Huber, President Trump cut more than $200 million in federal funds to teen pregnancy centers and proposed a budget which would allocate millions of dollars for abstinence-only education. Okay, so then she continues and talks a lot about teen pregnancy and a chunk of her videos about teen pregnancy and abstinence and the whole abstinence movement. Now, I don't want to get too sidetracked because that's the whole point here. It seems like a complete sidetrack of the entire thing. We don't think this really focuses on abortion. She seems to be all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's your point about teen pregnancy? That you know that teens should have access to abortion. That uh, you know parents should be able to have these these their grandbabies aborted so their kid can go to college. Is it supposed to be because we lowered teen pregnancy, uh, therefore we've lowered abortions, and that's a good thing, which would mean you're pro life. Uh, that's more of like for like oh less abortions is good like that's that's a pro life position. Yeah. Um, also, and I will and I'll say this right now, I agree. If you go to the church split and you've been to my church at all, you will know, I don't just teach standard abstinence only. Now I do teach abstinence, obviously, mm-hmm. but no one teaches a biblical view. They just go, let's not talk about it, let's not deal with it. Uh, sex doesn't exist. Boys' boobs don't exist, yeah. uh, and then just ignore it and then pretend like it's not going to happen. No, we talk about it pretty openly in youth group and everything, do we not? And we, we talk do. biblically about it and everything. Yeah. So I'm not going to talk about abstinence right now. It's a whole detraction from the pro-life, pro-choice argument and discussion, but it may be a good topic for another video. Yeah, and watch her whole video. We're going to cut some of that out just because it's for time, but watch the whole video if you want to see everything that she had to say. Exactly. Continue. Plans Parenthood gives away condoms and birth control. Most birth control is very cheap and readily available. I'm guessing Ben Shapiro has never lived in poverty, that he's never thought a $10 box of condoms was a lot of money, that his wife doesn't think $50 or $100 
per month for birth control is a fortune. When I was a virgin who couldn't afford health insurance, Planned Parenthood was my only doctor. They provided cancer screenings, pap smears, and sex education. When I was married and broke, they provided me free birth control so I wouldn't have to worry about getting pregnant. If you do get an abortion, it costs five to seven hundred dollars. So no, women aren't conveniently using abortion as a means of birth control. So she says then, what, what, this is why we need Planned Parenthood because of pregnancies and controlling, regulating and free condoms and all these things. Um, well, a few things here, and I'm gonna quote Pirates of the Caribbean for a second just because I can't <laughs> One good deed does not, what, is absolve a man of a lifetime of wickedness. I may have misquoted that a little bit. For that, I apologize. <laughs> My nerd heart, it, it mourns with you. We also recommend watching that whole video. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> recommend watching that whole video. Um, but the whole point is, is just because you do one good thing doesn't mean that suddenly abortion's okay. Like, oh yeah, they provide condoms, they do pap smears, they do all these great things. Okay, yeah, yeah but that doesn't mean that their abortions are okay. Yeah. Secondly, she mentions the cost about a $10 box of condoms. Yeah, and we already talked about from that, that survey that the majority of abortions were happening because of convenience um, excuses. So clearly what she said was wrong. They are ha having abortions because of convenience, and clearly they're okay with spending five to $700 on that convenience. We agree. Condoms, birth control are very much cheaper than abortion. So use that as a family planning method instead of abortion. Exactly. And I'm just saying this, if you can't afford a $10 box of condoms, but you say suddenly can turn around and afford an abortion, you might simply have a priorities issue. Yeah. Abortion costs a lot financially and emotionally. The worst thing we can do as a society is rob people of their sexual health. Mm. That's so cringy. Go the ahead. worst thing we can do as a society is rob people of their sexual health. Now, she st has stated that she's a Christian. This, what she just said here is, is not a Christian it's statement. It's emphatically unchristian. Let's just call it what it is. There's, the Bible has so many things that are more important than someone's sexual health. In fact, it tells men, specifically men, all the time to shirk our, uh, our sexual response, like putting our sexual desires aside. Yeah. Uh, so you can just go back to the Ten Commandments. What, what was the most important thing? To love and respect God. To love him with all your heart. That's the most important thing. As a society, I think the best thing we could do is love God, be moral people, follow his laws, and do what he says. Love him with faith and accept grace. And then followed after that, so would not somewhat a more moral achievement be, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Yeah. You can't have sexual health and sexual activity if you don't first have life. So this, this statement here, was it's so emphatically false. And it's not the worst thing we can do. And to even state that yeah. is absurd and just says that, you're, that you, are, you literally idolize sex more than you idolize any or put up or elevate anything else. Yeah. And guess what? That includes men. Men go to Planned Parenthood and need things too. Planned Parenthood has done nothing but protect, advocate for, and help me not get pregnant. We, as voters, are making them lose that power. Number three, Ben Shapiro shamelessly shames women. The unsuccessful decision that you made was the decision to have sex out of wedlock and then get pregnant out of wedlock. That decision is not alleviated by killing the rock. It's called marriage and the left undermined it. We're gonna put that whole clip in the description as well. Um, she actually cuts out a part of that where he's specifically addressing the responsibility of men and now she's mischaracterizing him and saying that he's only talking to women. He's actually addressing men and women here that if you don't want to have the responsibility or the inconvenience of, have, of being parents, then don't have sex out of wedlock. Yeah, and also, I mean, yes, men use Planned Parenthood. I get that. Men and women are both equally responsible in this. I, hey, guess what? We have laws in place though that make men usually pay uh, child support and yeah. all these things. We have actual things that discourage men from being bad fathers. And by the way, I any father who runs away from his parental responsibility, I find abhorrent. Yeah. You know? So I think we at least have some common ground with Brenda here that she also wants to hold men responsible. Absolutely. We affirm that completely. Shaming women for having premarital sex is misogynistic and ignorant. 80% of Christians are having unmarried sex, and CareNet, a nonprofit organization, found that four out of 10 women that had abortions were churchgoers at the time. I am not saying this justifies abortion. I am saying that we as religious people, Ben Shapiro being Jewish, need to stop pretending that our communities are not having sex. 
And I agree with this. Mm-hmm. People are sinners. We are going to sin. Uh, and I think this whole, you know, four out of ten women are we're regular churchgoers that have abortions. Look, again, we're all sinners. We're all yeah. going to sin. And I will say, as a pastor, I will say that it, there is a part of that that, and women are still making the choice. So I'm not taking the responsibility off of women here. But the church also, if they if somebody got gets pregnant out of wedlock, we do tend to go. Well, we might be aware someone might be having sex or suspect or be like or, or shove it under other under the rug. But as soon as they get pregnant, then suddenly the church is like, oh, now there's evidence and we must condemn them. Yeah, yeah, that is a problem. I, I'll admit I've seen that in churches. I've seen that happen. Where all of a sudden, once someone gets pregnant, now we got to handle this terrible sex that's yeah. going on in the church. Bottom line is, is the fact, yeah, we, we get this, but it does not justify abortion and nor does it make it right. Yeah. And I think I would go on a limb here and say 10 out of 10 churchgoers are sinners. Well, I don't know where you got that statistic from because I'm not one of them. Fact check that, please. <laughs> and by the way, you know who's having sex with these immoral, loose Jezebel party animals? Men. Men are getting them pregnant. If Ben Shapiro truly wants less abortion in this country, he needs to acknowledge that 50% of the problem is men. He has the ear of so many men, and he wastes that opportunity by telling women they just need to keep their legs shut and everything will be fine. How about teaching these men how to lead in powerful, life-giving relationships? How about teaching them how to support a woman, even if you're not married to her when she gets pregnant? Also, she keeps saying, Ben, use your audience, hold men accountable. And there, we're probably gonna, let's try to leave that one video in, in the description. He does this all the time. Yeah. He always tells men to hold on to their uh, values, to, to be proper family planners, to be the proper leader of their home, to be sexually responsible, which is why he teaches sex in marriage. That is exactly why he teaches this thing. Yeah. Um, also, he, you say, use your audience to do some good. Well, we'll reverse it back. Use your audience as well to do some good, to actually teach something moral and actually help save lives. I mean, think about how many hundreds and thousands of children and millions have died just from abortion. Think of how many kids would be walking around here right now. And despite what people say, the overpopulation theories have been debunked multiple times. Yeah. I know so many women that were abandoned, abused, neglected during their pregnancies. Men are the reason women get abortions too. Women's health is the one issue in which we must protect ourselves with no promise that the man will protect us in return. For example, a man can beg a woman not to wear a condom and then ejaculate inside of her without her knowledge. And this woman may have not known that he ejaculated in side of her. She may have not had sex education and not known that's how you get pregnant. She could have not been able to afford the $50 morning after pill. Men need to be held sexually accountable. If Ben Shapiro truly wants less abortion, I wish he would stop focusing on arrogance and mic drops and actually look out at his college age audience. He has impressionable ears, people that are listening to him. He could use his voice for good. Women don't always need men, we're strong as hell, but in the abortion debate, we need you guys. Real quick, and I don't want to take long on this, but you sit there and make claims that like, well, the girl may not have had a sex education, she might not know ejaculation inside her, is exactly what got her pregnant and all this, so feel bad for the girl, feel bad for the girl because it's all the man's fault. And, you know, men are the reasons why the women get uh, abortions too and all this. And yeah, yeah, you know what, but what about the boy? What if the boy didn't know that ejaculating inside her got her pregnant? What if he hadn't has had no sexual education? I know plenty of boys that, that didn't. Uh, you know, I, I grew up very conservative, and let me tell you, there are some people who are very sexually ignorant. It was actually kind of kind of funny and disturbing, and it's a little sad. Yeah, it's very sad. So stop with that. Like many people, there's many people who don't have sexual education. Doesn't again, this doesn't prove the fact of when life begins, what value is human life, and mm-hmm. this does not actually address the pro-life or pro-choice topic. It's another distraction from the main topic. We need men to step up and support us. On the opposite end of support, some men coerce, threaten, and pressure women to get abortions. I was basically begging him to be there for me. I told him it doesn't feel right to me. Please don't make me do this. I don't want to do it. He said, Crystal, I love you and everything will be okay. You just have to do this for us. The feeling that I felt is indescribable. It just felt like my baby had been taken from me. And she felt like the baby was taken away from her. You know why, Brian? 
Because it was. Because it was. We actually complete like that's horrible. And yeah. I mean, what I'm just gonna say, you're kind of being a piece of human garbage if you're pressuring someone to murder their child, especially against their will. Yeah. But another thing here, he didn't hold her at gunpoint and make her walk into that clinic. At least we assume that. I'm assuming, yeah, she didn't really say that. So I'm assuming that didn't happen by her own words, right? Mm-hmm. She chose to still go through with it. She chose to be peer pressure and it's something she didn't want to do. And now just a second ago, Brenda was talking about how women are strong as hell and how strong they are, but she needs us guys, but man, we're strong as hell. If you were super, as, as strong as hell as you were saying, then you don't need men at all to advocate for you at all. In fact, you know... She could have made the choice of, no, I'm going to keep my baby because I'm strong as hell. I don't know. Like, this whole yeah. this whole concept, it, just, it bothers me when people try, sit there and try to say something like that, but then they they empathize with showing the fact that the person was too weak to say no. Yeah. Okay, it, are they strong or are they so weak that they need men to not pressure them? Like, yeah. Don't be emotionally it? manipulated by people in yeah. general. Yeah, don't be emotionally manipulated by people, especially pro-choice Christians who are only using emotionally manipulative arguments that are detracting from the entire thing. I empathize with this girl. How do you do? She lost her baby. Her boyfriend, who was the father, uh, pushed her into murdering it. That's terrible. It's an awful thing. But it does not, again, once again, it does not, this this actually more proves our side yeah. than it does against our side. So again, with her, I don't know where the line is or the consistent line is, and you'll notice in the video, she <clears throat> never will tell you where the line is. Yep. Number four, Ben Shapiro loves generalizations. I love my God is Great community because you guys are truth seekers. Being a part of the God is Great community means that you honor and understand nuance without focusing on extremes. I want you to pay attention to what she says next, but she just says that... Her community honors nuance, and they understand nuance, and they don't want to focus on extremes. The next thing she's going to do is use an extreme example of rape and abortion. Ben Shapiro scares his fans into believing that women love abortion, and Democrats want to push it all the way to the nine-month mark, and they just love it, too. Okay, so she also mentions that Democrats aren't trying to push abortion to the nine-month mark, and we have the benefit of having a little bit of future that she didn't have. But this this year, 2019, has been uh, big about news about states allowing abortion all the way up to the nine-month mark. And that's primarily being pushed by Democrats. And I'm not saying this is necessarily a partisan issue, but I'm saying what she just said now is not correct. Mm-hmm. And it may have not been correct back then, but we have direct evidence now that at least some Democrats are pushing for that specifically. Yeah. And I think it's good to point out, too, there's a lot of states that actually allow this now. So... Um, Oregon, Vermont, Colorado, New Hampshire, and District of Columbia have no restrictions on abortion up to nine months. Mm-hmm. Absolutely none. And then Alaska, New Jersey, New Mexico um, also allow it up to nine months, but they have one little restriction of it has to be done by a licensed physician. So once again, so she's saying that no, no one's pushing for this. And then we saw within the last year a huge push for it. A, one that got a lot of news and attention was New York. Yep. Another generalization that Ben sells is that rape that results in pregnancy is so inconceivable and so rare that it's not even worth debating. ...to a young woman who's not married, who gets raped, but does not have access to an abortion. First of all, I, I do appreciate that you created the saddest possible scenario for Olivia Newton. <laughs> um, is, is she also disabled? As long as we're creating imaginary victims. Significantly less than 1% of all abortions are performed on women who have been raped. According to my research, Ben's 1% statistic is only backed up by pro-life websites, and the last study done was in 1987. Okay, so we did some research on this one too. Um, And like we just said, she was going to use an extreme example, and she did. So pregnancy from rape happens about 5% of the time, so it's pretty rare. Abortions, because of rape, is even more rare. Like we're talking... Less than 1%. She cites Ben's 1% um, stat, and she says that's the only um, stat backing that up. There are no stats refuting it, and there actually is another stat that's from much, much later um, that isn't that old, also backs up the 1%. Um, and that's from a 2004 uh, Guttmacher Institute. They found um, that abortion being the reason um for rape being the reason for abortion was 0.5% of the time. So that's half of Ben's stat. And what year was that? That was from 2004, so not 1992. So again, so once again, her research was off. And to her credit, benefit, 
um, uh, benefit of the doubt, whatever we want to say. Um, it wasn't that easy to find that stat because there's a lot of websites that are specifically trying to push the pro-choice agenda. And that is one thing you will find, and I want you guys to pay attention to this as you do if you choose to research this. Society, Google and all of it, is very much bent on the pro-choice side. So actually finding some of these other things is a little bit harder. You have to dig. Um, they purposely, I think I remember telling you, I was like, man, I cannot find this. And you like, tried this search engine instead. And sure enough, I was able to find it in my first search. Yeah. So um, very, very careful out there. But truth can sometimes be elusive. So we're not uh, giving Brenda a hard time for that. She may have just not found it. According to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, one in five women have been raped in this country. Even more horrifying, rape is the most underreported crime. Eight out of ten women knew their rapist, with 51.1% of the assaults done by an intimate partner and 40.8% by an acquaintance. So with those facts, the vast majority of women are being assaulted by people that they know that are their intimate partners. Just because they're not reporting it or they're not standing up to say, my husband raped me and that's why I'm pregnant, doesn't mean it's not happening. Once again though, even if we don't know that it's not happening, how is why is that okay for abortion still? I'm exactly. not hearing a cohesive okay for abortion discussion. And I'm not saying these things don't happen. Also, the one in five stat, if you ever look that up, it, we actually know is a very bloated stat, for lack of a better word. It includes a lot of um, regret, re regret, intoxicated sex. And keep in mind, if women, if it's considered that women are raped while intoxicated, what if a man is intoxicated and can't give consent as well? Uh, you're, you're, again, for someone who's saying you're not trying to control their bodies, yeah. you seem like while they're under the influence, like you're still trying to control their bodies. And then you can't wake up the next day after having a really rough night and go, ooh, oh no, I'm laying naked in bed next to somebody, he raped me. No, you probably just made some poor yeah. choices. And vice versa. He did too. Especially if you guys didn't know each other. Yeah. So we'll put that stat. Um, what she's actually describing is actually a 2010 CDC survey. Um, so we'll put that in the description too. Go ahead and research yourself. With one out of five of our daughters being assaulted in this country, your 1% statistic from 1987 doesn't hold up. In conclusion, I wish that Ben Shapiro and pro-lifers would stop looking at abortion through a black and white lens. This is gray. There are so many different factors that lead to an abortion. One I didn't mention is that this country is terrible with maternity leave. A lot of women will lose their jobs and be in more poverty if they can't have time off of work. As far as mater uh, maternity leave, I almost said maturity leave, like <laughs> once you get old enough, you get to go out and leave. Um, no, maternity leave, I agree. Okay. Yeah, come around. Doesn't mean you get, again, doesn't mean you get to go abort your child. This doesn't, I'm still not hearing a cohesive why abortion is okay argument. I'm just yeah, not. Especially not a biblical one. Yeah, especially as a Christian, right? As a Christian. So, anyway, I just wanted to point that out. It's just like, yeah, I agree with that, but again, it's not, it's, it's detracting from, is it a life, is it not a life? Because that's what it comes down to. Yep. We as spiritual people need to stop demonizing women that have had abortions or that will have abortions. We need to advocate for programs that will support them. We need to advocate for men stepping up, being sexually accountable. Anyway, I love you guys. No one's, okay, some people might demonize. But I'm not de demonizing people who have had abortions and have been misled and deceived by the majority. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not demonizing people who have been deceived and are about to get an abortion. But I will say this: I will condemn abortion and say what that it isn't a moral act, and I will fight for the lives of the unborn, and I will be willing to have that conversation with anybody. Um, but As Christians were supposed to be protecting those that are are weak, those that can't advocate for themselves. That the best or the most important people group that that affects is the unborn because they don't have a voice at all. In fact, the Bible tells us to stand up for the innocent and the righteous. Exactly. So real quick, you'll also notice I'm going to pull this into, into frame so that way I can actually just read the verses. That way I don't misquote the scripture because <laughs> I have a tendency to mix things up. But you'll notice in the entire video, and I mentioned this at the beginning, you don't hear a singular Bible verse mentioned at all throughout the entirety of the video. Mm -hmm. So, it, and you notice that there's a complete detraction and all they all emotional arguments are all un, they're all like things about having kids or getting pregnant and it's not actually about 
is it a life or is it not? Because mm-hmm. Ben is right. Ben is right on this. It, the abortion debate is simple. It's either life or it's not. If it's not a life, it's a kidney, right? You yeah. can remove it if you want to. But if it's a life, you have to leave it alone. So first off, you have to define life, right? And she does not define what a life is, nor when it does start, nor does she ever draw a line. I think that's important to know. Yeah. Um, our stance is pretty, uh, pretty simple. Uh, we believe life starts at conception, which is scientifically correct. That is when two, you know, the egg and sperm meet, a unique human DNA is created and left to its own devices under healthy circumstances, it'll be born as a child. Um, so we consider, uh, well, as a child, it already is a child, but it's mm-hmm. at a very, very small development. Uh, there's a lot to that. So, uh, but secondly, let's just, lest I be called a hypocrite, I want to actually read some Bible verses. First off, we know there's a very popular one in Psalm 139. It says, For you formed me, my you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. So notice it's not a clump of cells. He knitted himself, God knitted him together in his mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Um, he talks very much here about his creation, and that started in his mother's womb. That's where he was weaved together and built, yeah. and God God created and formed him. So, and then also the most important verse in the Bible for mankind, outside of obviously God being who He is, is that God created man in the image of Himself. We are created in the image of God. So, if we are all image bearers of God, then that is a sacred thing. That's why I can't hate somebody else, because to hate somebody else is to hate the very image of God. Therefore, to kill anyone else, especially who is human, and at the moment of conception's human DNA, a unique human DNA, is to kill or eliminate the very image of God. Mm-hmm. So again, as a Christian, this is a pro-life position from scripture. And of course we can back this up actually with science and a lot of other things that actually, science, people are more and more coming out, actually backs up the pro-life side. But the, there's a lot of verses I could go through. You know, there's the whole people that pull from the, the prophet, Jer- from Jeremiah the prophet, which says before, um, before I was there, you know, you knew me and all this. And I know this is uh, dealing with specifically, oh yeah, Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in your mother's body, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart to serve me. Now a lot of people go, well, that's out of context. Let's talk about Jeremiah. Yeah, you're right. But at the same time, we get an idea here. Is that he formed you in your mother's body and he chose you before you were born. So before you were born, before you were even like at all, God knew, God knows you. Because he has all foreknowledge. He knows all things. He knows all people. And so at the it, very least, Jeremiah's mom didn't have a choice. <laughs> Weird, right? <laughs> and well, I, I want to say Mary had much of a choice either. And uh, I saw a quote from Brenda that said that she loves Jesus. Well, Jesus was uh, a born of Mary, who was a virgin birth. She didn't have a choice at all. Yeah. So again, and then also, who was the first person to jump for joy upon meeting Jesus? Well, when Mary was pregnant, you'll remember when John and her, you know, they were pregnant with John the Baptist, and when they got close, John the Baptist leapt for joy in the womb, because Jesus was there. So, (laughs) once again, showing the fact that the unborn is alive and can leap for joy and worship. Yeah. But my favorite position to pull from whenever I run into a pro-choice Christian and to see them dance around this particular text is very is very telling. And I have seen pro-choice Christians dance around this, and they will focus on every part of the verse except for the most obvious. So, Brian, please listen to Exodus 21, 22 through 25. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. If men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him. And you shall pay as the judges decide. But if there is any further injury, then you shall appoint as a penalty life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. The most important part of this, first off, so if they struggle and a man hits his wife, first off, if that ever happened, Brian, you would be visiting me behind bars because I would probably kill the man if they hurt my (laughs) wife. But if... And he made her to give birth prematurely due to injury. He, that ma- husband gets to fine him, right? Like, you almost hurt, killed my family. You hurt my family. Time to pay up some money, mm-hmm. at least. But then it goes further. But it says if, if it causes her to lose the child, it says you shall pay life for life. 
then he goes eye for eye, tooth for tooth, bruise for bruise, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But the very first part, it says life for life, which means that the unborn child is now eliminated and is considered a life that is killed, and therefore you must pay for it with your own life. Yeah, that's pretty definitive. There's no way around it. This is the plain reading of the text. And in order for you to get around this, you have to change the direct, simple meaning of this text. And you're not being biblically honest or actually very Christian of you at all. You're actually ignoring the way God views us very specifically. And there's so many verses that show that life starts from from well before, that God views us at that. And but right here we see that God said it to to Israel, if you kill a child, you will pay an unborn child, you will pay life for life. And there's also, you'll see notice that's the husband doing a lot of the finding and all this, which goes into gender roles as well, that the man, as she's been saying, has to take responsibility mm-hmm. and protect his family and be there for his family and not take the easy way out here. Yep. So, anyway, Brian, is there anything you wanted to add here at the end? No, I just I just want to say I hope we didn't come across condescending to Brenda. I, we appreciate her doing the video. We appreciate her trying to find the nuance here. We just don't think this topic specifically is one that has any gray area. It is very black and white, um, especially as a Christian. As we went through, the Bible backs up this position in order for you to have some way to have the Bible say that it it doesn't back up the pro-life position, you have to put your own bias, your own political leanings, your own feelings into the text in order to pull that out. And and we know that that's not how you're supposed to read the Bible. So um, and, I, and I really think that we're being honest that we're not doing that. We're getting our position from the Bible. We're getting our position from what God says and how to protect life. Um, so anyways, uh, open um, invitation to Brenda to have a discussion with us about this. Um, We're more than happy to discuss it with her and have an open debate, open discussion, and just try to get to the truth. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, well, hopefully we're going to put out more videos like this, uh, more rebuttals, more group talks. Obviously, it's very long, longer than normal, but I do think it's important to have these conversations. Now, I want you guys to understand my wife and I are moving here in like two weeks during the holidays. So we're going to have very few videos up. So we've had very few videos up. Things are crazy. But we're moving to a new house. We're going to be building a studio so we can get more of these videos out, hopefully at least once a week. So that's my goal. Uh, so anyhow, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up uh, on what's going on in my personal life. So any of my followers, if you guys know, now you do. But anyhow, with that being said, my name is Will. My name is Brian. And this has been The Church Split.